Solar PV Cast by Shift, a podcast exploring solar energy and the role it plays in improving our lives and our planet. Here's your host, Chris Palliser. Hey, what's up? It is Chris. Yes, this is the Solar PV Cast. Thanks for joining in. It's brought to you by Shift. We power change for all your solar and energy storage needs. Visit shift.ca. All right. Now, on today's episode, we're going to go north. Imagine this for just a moment. You had 21 hours of daylight, 21 out of 24 hours to harness the power of the sun and produce that solar energy. Well, that is the reality for our guest on the podcast today. His name is Bert Rose, and he's coming to us from Iqaluit, Nunavut. Thanks for joining the podcast, Bert. Glad to join you and glad to spread the word if it'll help. I love it. Yeah, your story is great. I discovered you in a CBC article about how... You know, you're one of the leaders in Iqaluit, Nunavut. Uh, when it comes to solar, kind of start at the beginning. Uh, how, how did you come to find about solar, and what is it about it that got you so jazzed up that you, you wanted to utilize it? Well, Chris, my brother, when I was 12 years old, got a solar switch uh, for a Christmas present, and I was curious as to what was inside it, so I managed to get three out of the four screws out of the back of it, and I opened it up and I had a look and there was nothing inside it. There was a a fold, uh, the panel was inside it and it had bubbles on the outside, but there was nothing to see. And that kind of sparked my interest and I've been interested in solar ever since. I'm 79 next Tuesday and my interest has grown from putting some solar on some properties that we own here in Iqaluit and one in Saskatchewan. And I just think that with what's happening with our global warming, uh, we've got to we've got to talk more about it. We've got to let people know what it costs and where you can do it. And I've got to get past some assumptions about it. Uh, one assumption that you need batteries. No, you don't need batteries. Another assumption is you're not going to get enough power in the middle of the winter when we only get three hours and 50 minutes of of sunlight and it's low on the horizon and we've got next door neighbors who cast a shadow on our house and we've got the low sun and we don't get very much power but with net metering as you know um, those aren't really problems they're just things that you got to understand and you can figure out how things will go forward and how putting the money into solar pays back really quickly is what we're learning. Well, and that's the thing. You know, so many people, especially in Canada, while solar doesn't work up there, I mean, you're in a Callowit Nunavut sitting here saying, no, 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 because of net metering, solar totally works. I mean, your numbers must be must be pretty wild right now with 21 hours of daylight. Well, the way the panels are on our house, um, the house was built in 1982 and there was no possibility for solar at that time. It was starting to appear, but not very commonly. And the orientation of the house made some limits on where we could put panels. We didn't want to go with a, a post-type mount in the front yard where we would we would be able to do that, and we couldn't in the backyard either because of the size of the lot. So we had to go with, with a, a wall-mounted panels and there were some advantages to that as well as as we learned. Um, one of my background things that helped with my solar, keep my solar interest alive, is I worked at um, a secondary school here called Nunavut Arctic College. And in 1993, we put uh, 33 three watt um, panels on the outside of the building. 
They weren't connected to the grid, but they were connected to the hall lights. Three watts, 33 of them. And what the, the what those panels did was they ran the hall lights in the in the college building on the first and second floor, and they continued operating. It was a, a test test and a, a public demonstration unit. They ran until 2015, so they ran for about 17 years. They saved the college two hundred and fifty thousand dollars, and on any kind of budget, Amazing. that's a lot of money. Yeah. For sure. Well, and, and of course, like you said, speaking to that return on investment, you, it makes so much sense up there because you're paying so much for energy. It's all diesel. Is that right in, in Iqaluit? Yeah. I, I was looking at the numbers this morning in preparation for ch- this chat that I'm going to have with you today. Um, here in Iqaluit, our power is the, the cheapest that, that it can be anywhere in the territories, and all of our communities have the same price. Uh, that's it. This is new in the last year. Previously, every community had to pay for its own costs of electricity, and we were up to a dollar and twelve cents a kilowatt in some of the remote communities. But here in Akalawat, we're at sixty-two or sixty-three cents per <laughs> per kilowatt, and the government recognizing that that's an that's an impossible number. Um, they subsidize in the winter time. We get a thousand kilowatts. We get 50% off, and in the summertime, we'll get 750. So that drops it down to about 30, 31 cents per kilowatt, which is still kind of ranking high in the scale of electrical costs across Canada. But that's what we were were dealing with. Now, the advantage of that is with those kind of numbers, uh, when you you talk to your banker or you talk to your uh, financial planner, and you say, well, I've got a way of being able to reduce that bill by two thirds. Um, it's going to cost some money to do it up front. But if I take that other, other two thirds and I move it over towards paying for the panels, we wind up with the numbers that, that the industry says six or seven years and it'll be paid for. And that's what we're seeing, uh, both in Saskatchewan and here in Akalawan. Amazing. And yeah, you mentioned you have a property with solar in Saskatchewan as well. Yeah, we do. Um, my grandfather homesteaded about 20 miles from Saskatoon, and we have a chunk of the, the what was the big pasture. Um, Grandpa willed it to my mom and dad, and they passed it over to us in the 70s. We installed um, 5.6 kilowatts of panels in uh, at the cottage on the garage roof in 2019. Um, at that time, Nunavut didn't have the legislation to allow net metering to take place. So we went ahead with Saskatchewan. We got a grant from Sask Power. Uh, unfortunately, about a month after we signed up, uh, Sask Power cut their rates viciously for solar energy, and they're now only paying half the cost at about 14 or 15 cents a kilowatt. But we got in early and we get the, for the first 10 years, we get the full 15 cents per kilowatt that we, we, we sell back through net metering. So in 2020, um, we started the process of, of signing up to get an installation done on our house here in Iqaluit. We're at 5.2 kilowatts on the outside of the building. And our panels are mostly oriented to the Southwest. We have two that are are oriented straight, I'm sorry, yes, two that are oriented southeast, 
and two that are, are oriented south. Um, so we, we get the sun this morning. We were producing electricity at 5 o'clock in the morning, and the sun swings around to the north, um, and about 8 o'clock in the evening right now, we stop producing power because there's no direct sunlight. The question of where, where to put them was kind of interesting because one of the things we learned at the college was we learned about snow bounce. Snow bounces 90% of the light that hits it. So the idea of, well, you're going to have right. to have something that will track it and something with a motor on it and something that's going to change the angles. Well, you don't. God has provided that for us right. in the form of beautiful, white, clean snow that does a great job, better job than we can. And it has the added advantage. You don't ever have to fix a motor. You don't ever have to have somebody come and repair stuff. You mount them, you put them on the wall, and there they sit. You never touch them again, except. <laughs> I, I can tell it excites you. You can tell the, the, the passion in your voice, and you're totally right. Like, especially with them mounted on the side of your house, snow's not going to sit on them. And you're right, you're going to get, you know, maybe a little bit of sun in those winter days, but it's all bouncing up off the snow and you're harnessing that as well. Exactly. It's a win-win, absolutely. Um, yeah. We don't have any electric cars in Iqaluit yet, but there's about six or seven of us right. here in the community who've got solar and there's one guy who put in too much. And I've been bugging, bugging him for about <laughs> six months now to bring in an electric car. We haven't got our first ship in. The ice, ocean is still frozen. Um, and I've, I've just come back after being away for about six weeks. I'm hoping that there's going to be an electric car on one of the ships when it comes in in about a month from now. I mean, that's a whole nother episode in itself. You know, I didn't even think of that, you know. For for Victoria, BC, where I'm located, you just go to the distributor and you pick up your panels and you drive it to your project. Of course, to get panels in a Iqaluit, there's a lot more work involved, right? Yep. The organization that actually put the panels in place on our home is from Winnipeg, Manitoba. Um, the brother-in-law of the owners of the company in Winnipeg happens to run a construction company here, and the two of them got together and they thought, well, what happens if we bring some in and we've got some? We were in touch with him in the fall of 2020. Uh, we'd heard through the network of seven that there might be a set of panels in town. I called him up. He came to the house at noon. He was in the house less than five minutes because he's a busy guy. And I said, I understand you've got some panels and I'd like to buy them. And he said, okay, that's fine. And that was all that was required, other than wow. various bits and pieces of paper that flew back and forth and pictures flowing back and forth and design stuff that flew back and forth. This the standard routine that, that anybody's going to have because you don't want to be messing with Kudlik Energy Corporation is our power producer, and you don't want to be messing them up. And you, if you do it wrong, it becomes real serious real fast. Um one of the things I didn't realize was that there's a switch on the outside of our house that shuts them off. It's the same thing in Saskatchewan. And the reason for that is fire protection. It's, you've got to protect firemen. If something goes wrong in the house and the house is on fire, the last thing you want is a wire that's got 110 volts on it to start. And God knows how much if they, they get into the right things. So there's lots of detail that... A lay, lay person like myself, I was a pretty good school teacher and I'm very enthusiastic about solar, but 
I don't know very much about electricity. Yeah, well, that's, you know, get the right people to do the, the job for sure. How many ships? I mean, I'm just thinking, you know, for somebody here to get solar and they say you got to wait two, three months, you're like, oh, man, oh, I can't wait that long. How long, like how much planning ahead does someone in a callout who wants to get solar on their house, how much planning ahead do they have to do? We met with the guy here in a callout in November of 20, and they were here to do the installation of the panels in August of 21. And in October of 21, they changed the meter. So we had a, a bi-directional meter on the outside of the house. So just about a year. But that's fairly normal for things in the north. Right. So how many ships come a year just for general supplies and things like that? Um, I believe that the maximum we ever had was 11 when there was heavy-duty construction. And that was around 1999 when uh, we, were, we were setting up a new legislature. And there was lots of construction at that time. In a normal year, probably six or seven ships per year. And then there's there's some fishing that goes on, and sometimes the fishing comes in. We get a little bit of tourism with ships, and they come in. But we, we're, we're a long ways off the, off the shore, and we're vaguely aware that there are ships in the harbor, but we don't pay much attention to them. They really don't affect our family at all. Right, yeah. Wow, it's so interesting. What's the... I mean, solar just seems to make so much sense in such a remote place. You can, you know, get your own, provide your own energy and do it for way less than, than the diesel generation costs of the power. What's the uptake like in a Callaway? Are there more and more people that are seeing your house and saying, Bert, tell me, how do I do this? Yeah, uh, my wife and I sit out on the deck on nice days, and today isn't one of them, unfortunately. And people walking by the house will stop and come up and ask us about them and ask for an explanation. Um, there's a lot of a lot of people in the north that have built cabins outside their communities. The government of Nunavut is really aware of this, and they're they're very keen on it as well because they put in in place uh, two grant structures. One is for a $5,000 or up to a $5,000 grant to put solar panels and a couple of just car batteries because flying batteries is a real serious problem because it's red label cargo. So the batteries have to come in on the ship. We've got a couple of places in town that stockpile batteries, but you can get a $5,000 grant for, for putting a couple of solar lights or solar panels on the outside of your cabin, run some lights, run a radio, maybe run a television, depending upon where you are. Um, then for homeowners, the grant structure goes on and you can collect up to 30,000 bucks, which is serious dollars for an installation. Wow. Yeah. Our installation was 20, 26,000. We got 12,000 as a grant from the government of Nunavut. And when you, when the government's helping you by knocking almost 50% off the, the installation price, again, the numbers just work and they're, they really work for, for the consumer in this case. I'm not not bragging, but I also wound up on the uh, Kudalik Energy um, Board as a member. And uh, when I rem remember the going to the first meeting, thinking, I wonder if I could do anything to help with solar. That was in 2014. I wound up as the chairman of the board in 2017. And in 2019, the government of Nunavut put the um, adjustments to the Kudalik Energy Board legislation to allow for net metering. So it took six, seven years to get there, but 
I had the idea when I went in, and if I left with nothing else, I left with solar, solar coming into play. And what we're seeing in across Nunavut is we're seeing hockey arenas north of the Arctic Circle. Um, there's a place north of here about another 500 miles. It's called Clyde River. They put solar panels on the exterior of their hockey arena so that in the wintertime they weren't paying so much for their electricity. You know those big lights that they the big floodlights that there are in hockey arenas. Yeah. Well, they've got a whole whole wall yeah. of the arena that's covered with solar panels. Again, there was a learning opportunity in that. The kids here like to throw rocks at things that are made out of glass. Guess what? The glass covers on solar panels, hit them with a rock, they'll break, but they, the panel still continues to produce electricity. So the kids haven't been, have damaged them, but they haven't destroyed them. So another win for solar. There you go. Wow. It's it's such an interesting perspective to have. And I love hearing that, you know, they're looking at it for hockey rinks. I was just reading that the Philadelphia Eagles football stadium has has solar panels on the outside of their stadium, and they think they're leading the way. But no, no, no. Up in, uh, in Clyde River, you said, they're already doing it. Yeah, they were doing it four years ago. <laughs> you guys are leading and uh it's good to get the word out that the the world is aware and and so cool that you're you know you're you're kind of a founding father of the solar move in Nineveh. Um you know how does that feel Bert? It feels like I've been influenced by a lot of good folks who are really sympathetic and really cooperative. When we did the installation in Saskatchewan uh, again, it was a, a long timeline, six or seven months between actually signing on and getting the work done. Uh, when they came to put the panels on the the garage roof, there was nothing that they wouldn't stop and do. If I wanted to ask a question, everything stopped so that they could explain something to me. And it really was the guys that were doing the work, who owned the company, who have got staff working for them. It just It's just a win-win at every, every possible location. Um, occurrence in that as far as I was concerned because they answered my questions when I when I wanted to know well where is this thing going where are we going to put the modem on, inside the garage and what are we going to have to do to the wiring they had time or they took the time to they weren't selling their product they already sold it to me but they 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 I hadn't anticipated the kind of questions that I would have and they took the time to talk to me. And the guy that was in charge just shut him right down. When I had a question, if I wanted to go up on the garage roof, go up on the garage roof. That's fine. It's your neck. If you break it, don't sue us. It's kind of thing. So it was kind of fun. And everything about solar, as far as I'm concerned, is fun at this point. Yeah, that's wonderful. And and you talked about how the community is, is looking at it as an option. And do you see it? coming to Callowit more and more and growing. I mean, I would imagine so. Um, there are some limits to the amount of electricity that the power corporation will allow to sign on, and that's about 10% of the homes in Callowit. The other, other oddity that we have here is the majority of the housing in Callowit and across Nunavut is owned by the government, and the rents are subsidized. Um, some agencies, federal government agencies, are subsidized by Ottawa to include electricity. Territorial um, subsidies don't include the electricity, but the number of privately owned homes in Iqaluit is relatively low for an 8,000 population community. 
So there, there's the 10% of that, of that 50 or 60 or 70 homes that are privately owned that can go on, on with net metering, but they can't all go on because that, that's too hard for the power corporation. The technology of balancing what they're producing with the diesel generators and what we can throw onto the lines, it, it gets overwhelming and the equipment that we have here now can't handle everybody doing it but that doesn't mean we can't find ways around that like windmills in our backyard running our running our electricity to our cars at night to keep them plugged in at 40 below yeah well and you mentioned you know electric vehicles the the ford f-150 there they're they're saying that you can plug that into your home as well so if you you get a few of those up there all of a sudden you have some access to some pretty big battery storage we may as well admit that you asked me to to look have a look out the window so you could see a California for the first time. It's true. Um, we have we have about eight thousand people living here, and we have about three thousand cars. We don't have a rush hour. We have a rush minute at eight thirty. We have another one at twelve o'clock, another one at one o'clock, and another one at five o'clock. I've counted one hundred and ten cars backed up. There's an intersection in the center of town that everybody has to go through. To go anywhere. Uh, we only have 80 kilometers of roads. So if we had a solar solar installation and we had an electric car, my daughter who still works would drive the car about three kilometers to work and then three kilometers home. If you plug it into the 110 on a Saturday and Sunday, you'd get enough power to handle the 60 or 70 kilometers she drives in a week. So there's really no electric costs at all because we're producing surplus. It's just a win-win-win. Every way you look at it, it they win. No question about it, Chris. <laughs> I love it. I, I mean, I, so I guess I got to admit that right. I dream solar. Yeah, I love I love your enthusiasm for it. I share that and it's so great to have this perspective from, you know, northern Canada and hear this point of view like how how did you end up in Nunavut? You said you were from Saskatchewan? Yeah, born and raised in Regina. My wife and I are both from Regina. Um, in 1965, uh, I got a job filling in for a um, a woman that was on maternity leave in the community of Fort Smith, which is in the Northwest Territories. I finished that year. I went further north to Aklavik, which is above the Arctic Circle in the Mackenzie Delta. Two years back in Saskatchewan, and in 1968, we got transferred from an Indian reserve in Saskatchewan to this place called Broughton Island. We went to the nearest big library, which was in North Battleford, Saskatchewan. We got the best atlases that they had. There was no such place as Broughton Island. <laughs> so we decided we'd come and see it. <laughs> Most people that come up stay for a year or two or three, enough to buy a Corvette or put a down payment on a house or something like that. Joanne and I kind of forgot that we were supposed to go back south. And now it's, this is year 58, north of the 60th parallel. And I kind of think we're going to stay. It's We're having so much fun. I think we're going to stay. <laughs> Chris, we have the only two Christmas trees, live most? Christmas trees in our, we have the only two live Christmas trees in our front yard. I'll send you a picture of them just by regular email <laughs> if if you want. Uh, they've been growing outside our house since 1988, sure. so they're 
23 or 33 years old at this point. Wow, that's incredible. What is it about it that you love so much that you want to stick around? You mentioned your daughter's there. Like, you know, what is it that keeps you guys there? I retired in 1999. Um, Joanne retired in 2010. Um, But our children are here. We have a son and a daughter, and we have two grandchildren, and they're all here. Um, Our son is in the computer business, um, born and raised in the north, and our daughter is also born and raised in the north. Tina works for the government of Nunavut. Tony started out with the government and for the last 17 years has been running a a computer installation company that he built, uh, mostly dealing with software, major software installations. So if you want to be of influence to your kids and your grandkids, you, you don't move to Victoria, I'm telling you. (laughs) <laughs> yeah i love it and i i love that your whole family's there you're surrounded by family and obviously good friends and you guys have this incredible community and and you got solar panels <laughs> <laughs> and i'm talking about electric cars <laughs> that's right evs solar panels I, I feel like i gotta come over for a sunday dinner absolutely anytime coffee pot's always on <laughs> <laughs> i love it well, Bert, this has been incredible, this conversation, just to hear, you know, the solar perspective from from Iqaluit, Nunavut, and, and solar does work even that far north. And of course, the solar panels as well, they actually produce more in cold weather, don't they? It's the it's the hot days, just like any electronic device, they don't, they're not as efficient, but, but up there, they're good. When we did, when I was on the Kudlik Energy Board, we did a a demonstration over the doorway of the power plant. We installed six panels across the doorway. When the first numbers came in, they were producing more electricity than they were rated for because it was 30 below when we turned them on. And all of a sudden we got 110% of the production out of the panels because of the cold weather. You know what? It's so, I got goosebumps because when I joined the solar world a year ago, I remember our head engineer telling me that he said, you know, on a really cold day in, in Canada, you can actually produce more than they're rated for. I said, what? Really? No way. And here I am chatting with you that uh, that has seen that happen with solar panels. So my goodness, solar works in the north. Bert, thank you so much. And, and will you have another conversation with me one day? I'd be absolutely happy anytime. My wife and I like to travel, but I've always got a computer handy and I'm always available. Bert, thank you so much for taking the time to join the Solar PV cast today. And uh, we'll be in touch. Sounds great. Talk to you again. Bye. The Solar PV cast by Shift with Chris Palliser. To begin your solar journey, visit shift.ca.